It's finally over. We finally got our first win. Let's go. Panthers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Daily Panthers Podcast. I am your host, Wes Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful Monday morning. For once in our lives since last season, since we beat the Saints in the last game of the year, I think 10-7, also on an Eddie Pinheiro walk-off field goal, we finally get a victory Monday. Everyone, enjoy it. God bless. It's amazing. We love it. I can't believe it. This is what winning feels like. Man, I have forgotten this feeling. I was a nervous wreck as we drove down the field. It was quite the exhilarating experience. And I'm so glad that we won it. But there needs to be a rule change. I saw this same thing happen. It was a while ago. It was, I think it was Steelers versus Colts or either Chargers versus Steelers. It was the Steelers involved. And the team was kicking a last-second field goal for the win. And they just kept jumping off sides. They jumped off sides three separate times. And this has to be... They have to institute some kind of rule, like a vicious fine or something beyond just, oh, it's half the distance to the goal. It's half the distance to the goal. Because eventually those penalties... Like, I think we went... The first one, yes, that was big. Where we... They they were clearly offside, so it wasn't even that big. And then the second one where he roughed the holder, that was like a seven-yard penalty because it was only half the distance to the goal. So eventually, the penalties no longer hurt the defense. They're like, we might as well just go for it. And then the one time that we actually are able to jump the snap and get it, we will be successful and they won't call a penalty. And it's not like the offense gets a retry. It's like unlimited chances for the defense to make a play until they actually do. So annoying. I... Watching that, I'm like, they need to do something about this. Just like that weird rule that John Harbaugh took advantage of whenever he got a safety and the game ended on it. Yeah, something like that where he was holding. It was like a 15-second play where they were literally tackling the return team. And then the guy just took a penalty. And then they were like, well, the game is over because this weird random rule from 1946. It's like laws in America. There's those random ones where it's like, you can't wear a duck on your head across the border in Oregon or whatever the law is. So they need to get rid of these old weird rules and just have an untimed down where he can be unrushed. Like a free kick almost. Like th- there should be something instituted like that if it's three or more times. You should just have an untimed down where it's a free kick and he gets the kick without any rush and be able to make the field goal. They need some sort of penalty because it's so annoying. And it's just, yeah, it's whatever. Anyway, we got the win. That's all that matters. 15-13, to 13, Bryce Young's first career win. He did, in fact, outplay C.J. Stroud. All I have heard for the last month and a half is C.J. Stroud this, C.J. Stroud that. C.J. Stroud should have been taken first. He's outplayed Bryce Young thus far. You know what I got to say to that? I don't know what the heck is in the water everywhere else compared to us, but Houston's offensive line was 10 times better than ours. I am supremely, as usual, disappointed in Brian Burns. The man wants all this money, yet he's going to disappear. And don't give me this elbow crap. 
Do not. Do not. If you want $35 million a year to blow up the game, then you have to blow up the game. The only time Brian Burns has been worthy of that is the first half against the Falcons. That game, I was like, wow, he means business. He's motivated. He's making plays. He's getting sacks. He's swallowing up runners. But every other game, he's been pretty normal. And you say, oh, they've been game planning for him. Well, that's what you do when you get paid $35 million a year. You think they didn't game plan for Michael Jordan? Because that's what he made the year that he was outpacing everybody by like 3x. Of course, it's all relative. Value of a dollar, blah, blah, blah. But you want to make Michael Jordan money? You want to make Nick Bosa money? You want to make... Actually, Max Crosby is not what money he wants to make. And Max Crosby is playing his butt off. He's dominating Brian Burns in stats right now. And someone said, we should pay Brian Burns. Like I said, why are we paying Brian Burns? And someone said, we should pay Brian Burns, just not Nick Bosa money. That goes without saying. Yes, we should pay Brian Burns. No, we should not pay him Nick Bosa money. If you can get game planned out of the game that easily, you're not a game wrecker. 35, and the reason I say $35 million is because he wants Nick Bosa money. He's said that as such. His agent has pointed to that. He did not say Nick Crosby money. So if you want 30, 35 million, that's game wrecker money. That's not, they can game plan me out of the game with backup offensive lineman money. That is, you try to game plan around me. I still affect your game plan. I still affect your time to throw. I still affect the game in a big way. And you just have to deal with it. There should be no amount of game planning. Like, yes, you're going to get beat. That's the NFL. All the guys are good in the NFL, apparently, except our offensive line. But everyone else's offensive line, they're good enough to where they're going to get you. They're going to get you sometimes. But for every play, for me to be wondering, like, if I am audibly saying, where the heck is Brian Burns every game, especially in crunch time? This is like that meme of Chris Paul when it's like Chris Paul knocks down a three to cut the lead to 42. That is a microcosm of Brian Burns' season right now it's like outside of that first game against the Falcons where he was dominating and he was being that guy for the first half outside of that it's been Brian Burns gets a sack down 27 to force a fourth down punt like that's been the MO right now and everyone wants to get mad about oh this Brian Burns like myth that he disappears during game it's not a myth I don't care about the stats on the board. People want to point to Nick Bosa's sack percentage or his number of sacks. If Watch the games. Watch the Panthers games. Watch 49ers games. And you tell me that Nick Bosa isn't having an impact. I watch Brian Burns play. He looks skinny. He looks like he's getting blasted off the line of scrimmage. There was a couple plays yesterday where he got around, but he couldn't finish. That is Brian Burns. Brian almost burns. That should be his nickname, not the spider. Not spider, no. Spiders, when they catch something in their web, they finish it, they suck out its blood, and then they move on to the next one. Brian Burns, he's, I don't know, he's more of a stink bug, you know? Where you crush it, and then you finally see its effects when it's already lost. That's when you really see its... See, it's bad nature. Like, oh, sh- this thing does stink. Ugh. 
man, I'm not going to crush these again. That's how I feel about Brian. It's like he's got to be down before he's like, okay, finally, now that we're down 27, I'm going to destroy this guy. There was one play, it was like first and 10, and then Brian Burns blew the play up, and it was second and 18, but he still didn't finish the play. It actually worked out for him because he pushed him back a couple yards, and the guy kept running, and other guys finished it off, which I'm fine with. That's a great play, regardless. The team had a positive play, so that's all you can ask from your guy because he is the guy. But against the run, he struggles. Getting guys down against the run, getting those running backs down, he's always struggled with that. I don't know why this is such an argument, why people are so divisive. Get Brian Burns' brother. That's his whole personality as being his brother. But So we have first downs. Panthers won that one, mostly with our last drive. And then uh, first downs from penalties. This is a funny one. The Texans had zero. We had six. So... Whether or not you want to credit us with that, bad teams make mistakes. Good teams don't. The Texans made a lot of mistakes. We didn't. The Texans had a turnover. We didn't. The Texans had six penalties that gave us first downs. We didn't. Third down efficiency for the Texans was 5 for 12. I honestly thought that was going to be better. And then they got the fourth down conversion. And then total yards were pretty much tied. Total drives pretty much tied. Passing 180 yards versus 119. Both completed about 66%. Um, And then sacks. Six sacks. The Texans came into the game with one of the worst sack percentages in the NFL. And we still gave up six sacks. Something is wrong with Iki Aquanu. I don't know if it's injury. He's, He's on the list right now. He's on the list of guys who I'm like, are you injured or do you just suck? Like, you know how they do that injury designation where it's their name and then in parentheses the issue and then their status? It's like Iki Aquanu. Status. Sucks. Questionable. That's that's it right now. Hayden Hurst. Sucks. Questionable. Miles Sanders. Sucks. Questionable. All these guys are guys that I'm worried about. But we won. And there's no such thing as an ugly win in the NFL. It's like Pizza. People have compared it to pizza, where if it's bad pizza, it's still good because it's pizza. If it's cold, it's still good because it's pizza. Not quite the toppings you like, still good. It's pizza. That's how it feels to win in the NFL, honestly. I'm like 15-13 or 35-0. Either way, it's still good. Because what's the the run-through whenever you get a 35-0 win? Like, Oh, that was just a single game. It didn't matter. It's not relative to the whole season. It's like we haven't seen them play a close game yet. If you have a team like, let's say, the Steelers a while back. I think it was two years ago in 2020. They were dubbed the second worst 11-0 team in NFL history. Of course, the Panthers were the worst. But second worst 11-0 team in NFL history. If they did not belong in that spot. And they won every game. And you were still saying, we don't really know who they are. We don't really know who they are. That's what you say when you blow out a team. We don't really know who we are yet because they just played so poorly. We really couldn't get a read on it. So 15-13 or 42-0, the way we talk about it is the same. As in, wow, we got the win. That's all that matters. But we're not exactly sure who we are yet. 
we went six and or we went zero and six against the first six games. And I gotta say, the worst we were or the best we were gonna come out of that six and zero or six game start was gonna be two and four before the season. I predicted two and four. I thought that we would beat the Falcons and I thought we would beat the Saints and then lose to everyone else. Turns out we had a chance to beat four of those teams. I think out of the seven games we've played this season, we've led in five of them, I want to say. We never had a chance against the Lions. We never had a chance against the Dolphins. We never had a chance against the... And we were leading against the Dolphins, I think, 14-0. We never really had a chance against the Dolphins. And we never really had a chance against the Seahawks. So those three, we were out of it the whole time. So we could have been as high as three and three. In reality, you know, two and four was obtainable or attainable. I don't know. Are those the same thing? Ub or attainable? Three and three was sort of attainable. But I think that two and six was, or two and four was what I was thinking we would actually be. And so we went 0 and 6. But it's like people thought, like, we. 0 oh, and 6 is terrible. It's all relative. I mean, this the schedule gets a lot easier after those first six games. Out of those first six games, we were playing some of the best teams in the NFL. If you think about it, we were playing the Falcons, potential playoff team. Saints, potential playoff team. Seahawks are going to be a playoff team. Vikings are okay. I think they're 500 at this point. Um, they started off the season 1-3. and three, And since then, they have reeled off wins sorry they started off the season one and three with a win against us oh and three to start the season since then they have lost to the chiefs and then beat the bears the 49ers and the packers so they're coming in at four and four so yeah not a bad team every team we've played thus far is currently in the playoff hunt that's how hard our schedule has been thus far and if you put into perspective our remaining schedule, it's actually going to get a lot easier for us. Thus far, we have a 467 record against left to play. We have games against the Jaguars, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Bears, the Packers, the Colts, the Titans, and two against the Bucks. So we have some games left to play that we're probably going to lose, but we have a lot of wins left on the schedule. Right now, we're 1-6. in six. I could see us finishing the season. Originally, I predicted, I think, I think my copium prediction was 11-6. and six, And I think my sort of realistic expectation was 9-8. Nine and, nine and eight. And then my sort of pessimistic expectation was 7-10. and 10. I think so do I think we've got nine wins or eight wins left in the tank how many more games do we have to play 10 eight wins in 10 games <laughs> probably not probably not but we could get close I was debating before the season started I think it was the day before the game I was saying eight and nine or nine and eight I was kind of flopping between those and I chose nine and eight so I think that that is still obtainable. Eight and nine is probably more likely. Seven and ten, my pessimistic view. But pe pessimistic is probably pretty accurate because we did start the season off as poorly as possible in terms of wins and losses. So that all works out. 
it's it's okay. I don't think we're going to be giving the Bears the first pick in the draft. I would love to not do that. So that would be historically bad. I think that there is a chance that we give them a top 10 pick. Yeah, but either way, um, we did have some struggles getting off the field on third down on defense. Overall, you you can't fault the defense. They give up 13 points. Um, I will say that it has been a while since we've beaten a team when they have scored over 17 points. I don't remember the last time we did that, but I remember that was the whole thing with Matt Rule. Owen, was it? It might have been one in like 24 with against teams that have scored 17 points or more. I would have loved to see the Texans score 17. I can't believe we got to stop. I even said something along the lines of like, can we skip to the part where it's 20 to 12 and we have three minutes left to try to get a win? I have been so jaded up to this point. But that one catch where it was Miles Sanders and Adam Thielen way too close to one another. And Adam Thielen came up with it. Of course, I mean, that's the game pretty much right there. That is the game, period. So to see that and to see Adam Thielen in that spot, what I love about that is you die with your fastball. I don't care what the play is. I don't care what the scheme is. I don't care what time it is, how much time's left, what down it is, period. If the game is on the line, you die with your fastball. You, If you win, you win because of the guy who got you there. If you lose... You lose because of the guy you got there. You dance with who brung you. Dance with who brung you. And we did that with Adam Thielen. He's the guy. He's been the guy on our team who has gotten us to that point. And the two plays where we needed him the most, I think it was third and 12 and then fourth and two around then. Maybe third and 10 and fourth and three, somewhere around there. Either way, you know what play I'm talking about. We went with Adam Thielen on a screen for nine yards to make it fourth and two or fourth and three. And then we went Adam Thielen on a little, I don't know if it was a bench route, an out route, some sort of like almost like a pick play, but we were way too slow on it, or at least Miles Sanders was. And Adam Thielen came up with the catch anyway. And that's the thing. If the play gets busted, if we mess up, at least we died knowing that we gave it our best shot and we did the thing that we're good at, which is getting Adam Thielen the ball and decision-making by Bryce Young on those short throws. Short and intermediate, there's no one better. Bryce Young has got to start throwing it down the field, yes. There are some things we need to fix from this game. I've already complained about Brian Burns, as I normally do. I've already complained about Ikiakuanu and the offensive line. They need to fix it. They need to figure out what is going on and fix it. It's like the same thing every week, but we got the win. And that's all that matters in the NFL. We'll worry about next week now. We don't have to worry about it yesterday. Actually, we get victory Monday, and then we start worrying about it tomorrow. Our bye week could not have come at a more perfect time. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a different team. This is a different season now. Once you feel like what it is like to win, it's like towards the end of last season, where you're like, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know why. I don't know what is going to happen to get us to that point, but we are going to have a chance to win the game at the end. Those first six games, it's like we're going to find a way to mess this up. We're going to find a way to lose this game. But when you start winning, it's contagious. When you start winning and you start seeing that victory, you start getting that visualization. There's just that culture that starts going around. You're like, 
all right, we got one. We know what we need to do. We know what it's like. We know what we have to do to get over that hump, to get that win. Once you see it, it's like something's in the water. Little Carrie Underwood reference for you. And it just builds on itself. So if we come back next week, and or this week now, and we lose that game, sure, sure, you know, maybe we start back to square one. But just getting that opportunity and that just, it's just, it is contagious. And I think that we will start to rattle off a few wins here. And we've got a pretty favorable schedule if you look at it. So we've got the Colts next week. You know what is freaking hilarious to me is how many batted balls C.J. Stroud had. And the whole conversation coming out of college was two things for Bryce Young. One, I'm not going to say because you don't talk about a no-hitter when it's happening. But the second one was a batted ball. A batted ball problem for Bryce Young. And looks like C.J. Stroud, I think C.J. Stroud had three or four, maybe five, that were either tipped or batted yesterday. Actually, at the line of scrimmage, I think it was two or three. Beyond the line of scrimmage, it was like seven. I know that uh, Frankie Louvu got his hands on one. Um, uh, Dante Jackson got his hands on one, which actually helped him. That is another rule that makes no sense to me. I'm not going to lie. Being able to run out of bounds, come back in, and touch the ball as long as someone else has gotten a finger on it. I, I'll have to do some research on that rule. I don't know why it's a rule, but it is. Whatever. So that one was tipped, and then you had the two or three at the line of scrimmage. So at the very least, five balls tipped or batted for C.J. Stroud. And actually the one, the conversion, that ended up leading to their touchdown, he that one was tipped too. So, yeah, a lot of tipped balls. And I'm still surprised the Panthers didn't get uh, what's the, flexed out of Thursday Night Football. I mean, who wants to watch the one and six Panthers versus the two and six Bears? We'll see. And we play at four oh five on Sunday against the Colts. So we might get flexed out of that too. I would not be surprised. We'll see. But so the Colts versus the Panthers, and we have the Bears, both winnable games. The Cowboys will probably lose. Titans is a winnable game. Bucks is a winnable game. Saints winnable. Falcons winnable. Packers winnable. Jaguars will probably lose. Bucks winnable. So we have nothing but winnable games left, pretty much. So this could be a completely different season. I'm telling y'all, this game, like what's the math on this? The combined record of the teams we have faced thus far versus the teams that we're going to face. I mean, the teams we're going to face, 3-5, and 2-6, and six, so 5-11, and 11, Cowboys, 10-13, and 13-17, 6-8, 21, 20-25, 24-29, 26-34, 32-36, and 35 and 40. So I think the remaining record of the guys we're going to face is 35 and 40. And the guys we have faced, I think they all either have outside of, we just beat the Texans, so they do not. But the Dolphins have a winning record, the Lions have a winning record, the Vikings have a 500 record, the Seahawks have a winning record, and then everyone else is 500. So the only teams that we're going to face that are 
have a winning record are there's two of them, Jacksonville and and uh, the Cowboys. So at this point, our our season is open, y'all. This is a new season, new team. It's it's go time. I'll have to do a better analysis of the schedule and exactly what the win percentages are and everything. But my God, y'all, we got a real chance at this thing. Not to make a playoff run. That's not happening. But really, it's just to build some confidence. And if we can get that offensive line to stop sucking so much, we could be something. I don't know what's going on with Miles Sanders or Hayden Hurst, but Scott Fitter needs to be fired yesterday. These free agent signings have not worked out. Hassan Reddick worked out. That's about the last one that I remember working out for the positive. I mean, it's been ridiculous to not be able to sign guys who make immediate impact. Not even just like Game Breaker or like Hall of Famer, Pro Bowlers. Like just make an impact. Hayden Hurst, I think has had, I don't even think he had a catch yesterday. He had one drop, targeted once or twice. Miles Sanders, I think, had three rushes. I don't know if he's hurt or what's going on. TJ Chark, I don't know if he had a catch. He also had a drop pass. LaVisca Chenault is hurt, so... I mean, the defensive signings have been pretty good. They seem to be working out, but, I mean, we had a, we've always had a good defense, it feels like. I don't know, but I'm tired of Scott Fitterer. He, I'm sure he's a nice man, but... He does not need to be here right now. We need a new GM, period. Get a new guy in there. Scott Fitter really struggles with evaluating talent. And when you have done what he has done up to this point, there is no reason to keep him on. And I'll be interested to see what David Tepper does, but I don't see a world in which Scott Fitterer's job is saved if we don't make the playoffs. We we don't have any depth. We don't have any players anybody else wants. We traded away the only guys that people would want. And now we're those guys are balling out and we're left here. Oh, I don't know. DJ Johnson was the nail in the coffin for me with that. But DJ did get to play. He looked pretty slow, I'm not going to lie. And he had a holding penalty on a 90-yard punt for no reason. Our punt return, I don't know what the plan is, but we never return anything. Smith Marset is one of the worst returners I have ever watched touch a football. Get Raheem Blackshear back there. Maybe he can do something. I can't. Tarek Cohen can't get here fast enough. Please, God. Smith Marset might be cut from the team once Tarek Cohen gets in there. But either way, we got the win. I'm excited. We move forward to the Colts, who we can also beat. Y'all have a great rest of your day. I'll see you later. Peace.